Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, five o'clock hours here. We got everything to make a good final hour. We got a food challenge at Treasure Island. We got some cool giveaways, a lot of swag, T-shirts, golf shirts, hats, lots of glassware and muggage and insulated glasses and cups. So that's exciting. Caleb Herring's here. We had a request earlier in the hour, actually very early in the show. I, as I often do, I will shout out the food and what I like on the menu. And at the Golden Circle, I mentioned the Loco Moco. I'm pretty high on the grilled ham and Swiss. I feel like you can't really fail with chicken fingers. Like even a, the floor for chicken fingers is still going to be pretty solid for me. But then there is the potential they could be outstanding. And I shouted out the chicken fingers, but it was really based on a uh, finger experience, not that kind, a chicken finger experience here about a year ago. So I was going off memory. So we got some of the chicken fingers here, and one, I really, I, I wanted to give it a good test. So I let them get kind of cold, lukewarm. Yeah. You had them early on. And Eddie, up on Facebook, Eddie G, said, please post a photo of the chicken tenders. I want to see how breaded and battered they are. Thanks. Now I just I add to that. That's probably not the way he said it. No, that's everything's got to be like frenzied on the show. That's hundred percent. There's a challenge. Said. Yeah, it is. That's hundred percent how it was said. I. It's we don't. He wrote it. He was, we have no, no idea. No, I know. He said it. He. Um, and I don't think I said there were. Maybe I, we have to go back and can we? Uh, Demond's back in the studio. Demond, can you get to the real, uh, real to real machine and and slice it up a little bit? Can we get the highlight of when I pimped it out early in the show? Did I say it was? expertly breaded by the way we don't use we we use a lot of old stuff yeah we don't use real to real anymore i'm looking around i'm like none of these guys have used real to real it was it was was a a nightmare nightmare. yeah yeah Yeah. i was just gonna say kids these days they don't like using the digital editor imagine going back and taping cutting and taping freaking the thinnest whatever so (laughs) people don't even know what you're talking about like there's a generation that doesn't know anything but digital media do you know that wait until i talk uh, about dick butkus on the muppets in uh, 1979 i know what you're talking about oh you do okay i do um so anyway let's let's uh let's quicken this up (laughs) so you still you uh you tried the chicken fingers first and yeah what one of the things you talk about with wings all the time and you apply it to chicken fingers is the breading and the crunch the crunch you always mention the crunch yeah why is the crunch important the crunch is important because it gives texture to chicken, right? Like, if I wanted just chicken, give me chicken breast. Skinless, boneless chicken breast. That's fine. But if you're going to deep fry it, the breading and the crust and the crunch are vital. They're vital to the experience. And when I bit into these chicken fingers, I'll just say for those listening that understand what I'm saying, you'll, you'll, you'll pick up what I'm putting down. I could hear myself chewing. That means the crunch was adequate. So I will say to the question... There was adequate breading. I think they were expertly breaded, like you said. They were well-done chicken fingers. And I, again, you want to call me a child because I eat chicken fingers, and there's a real grading scale here for chicken fingers. But it's the truth. 
and we know how I feel about food. I bring you the truth. These were well-breaded, and I, I'll say I'm satisfied. Now, the real test would be if you have buffalo-style chicken fingers, are they going to maintain the crunch with the wetness of the sauce? There's very few that know how to pull this off. Very few restaurants can pull it off. The Golden Circle, the way they presented these, they didn't have them wet. They didn't have them wet. So there's a difference. If you can maintain the crunch with a wet chicken finger, oh, you're talking top notch. On the PFF scale, you're in the 90s. The pro foodie focus, yes. So, I mean, Golden Circle's up there. I I, I liked them. I enjoyed them. I'll send out some pictures in a little bit for Eddie. They were good. They were like I remember them. Good crunch. The chicken's real quality. No gristle, not grabbing at you. And you can eat them dry. Yes. That, that's the ultimate test. Like, you're not immediately going to dip. And I'm a big dipper. Mm-hmm. Like, I freaking love dips. And I yeah. love buffalo sauce. But I didn't eat it. So there you go. Another telltale sign. Full-throated endorsement of the chicken fingers here. I'm enjoying them. I, I still have more to finish. And, you know, we'll go to a break, and I'll, I'll probably knock the rest of these off. But I, I'm a chicken finger guy, too. So good job, Golden Circle. Uh, let me get some deep divey thoughts on a couple of UNLV football topics, and then we're going to get to the game of the week, or I thought it was the game of the week, but Caleb's got other candidates, the Niners and the Cowboys. I think the defense for the Rebels has looked different the last couple weeks. It's been more aggressive. Has that been, hey, the players are experienced, let's install more. There's a lot of variables here. Let's install more. This last week, hey, Jare Williams is out. Now other guys have to step up into his role, and we got to use their versatility and their strengths. Or is this all wiped out simply by the fact that they were up comfortably in both games, which means that if you're up 10 or 14, maybe you can attack more. One more. There's four different variables. The cornerbacks have not been playing well. So is there more urgency now to, like, go get the quarterback, and let's not get the guys on the back end in jeopardy. So I gave you a lot there. There's a lot, but I think all of those can be valid. I'm going to start my response by saying I'm going to credit coaching here in the sense that I think this defense and this team really, offensively and defensively, has unveiled itself slowly as the season has progressed. I think there's a lot of variability to this defense. And the less you show early, the more beneficial the deeper portions of the playbook become later in the season or in conference play. There's a lot that the Rebels put on film against Hawaii that we didn't see from the Rebels in weeks one through four. So I think that was a coaching strategy, to tell the truth. Like, I think they strategically said early on, watered-down version. We're going to just try to win with our simple stuff. Not base, but simple stuff. We're not going to open up the whole jar. Now we got an opponent that's going to throw. We're going to do what the 3-3-5 does. We're going to dial up pressure. We're going to get creative with the blitzes, creative with the coverages. And we're going to challenge Hawaii. We're going to step up and see if we can make the plays. They got tested. Obviously, Hawaii got some big plays. But that defense up front with the front seven, some elaborate pass rush. And some pressures were created that I don't think people saw coming from UNLV. And that's, I think, again, revealing the coaching. I will say also with the coaching, they've added depth and created depth, not just to plug a guy into a spot, but created depth with a guy in a position where he's comfortable. And I think Jet Eli was the example for that for me last week where – Yes, Dre went down, next man up mentality. But just because Dre went down doesn't mean you're going to look for another Dre on the depth chart. You're looking for another guy, an 11th guy, who's going to play his best brand of football, and you put him in the best positions to do what he does best. And I think 
Jed Elad was an example of that. He didn't do what Jure does. He wasn't in the same blitzes. He wasn't in the same position as Jure, but he was on the field as a player who played to his best or to his, his strong suits. And I think, again, that was a testament to coaching. The mentality has shifted for the players, too. I think the physicality on defense is unquestioned, and we've seen that all season. So when they do blitz, when they do dial up pressure, they're hungry. They want contact. Nobody on the field, all 11 guys on defense, nobody's afraid of contact. There's not one player that you're going to say, he's not good at tackling. I think everybody on the field is willing, at least, to get their face in there, stop the run, make a big hit, et cetera, et cetera. The physicality element of the defense, I think, is something that's improved greatly on that side of the ball. And it's backed up by some analytic numbers that is one of the most consistent high marks like with six guys on the defense their pff tackling grades have been pretty good all season all right on to the nfl we'll get to a little recruiting news on unlv towards the end of the show i'm always trying to figure out who russ wilson is russell wilson what his past has been like but i i feel like everything i like comes through a filter so i, I and here's another one I, I like Marshawn Lynch like as as an entertainer. I read a bunch of quotes from Marshawn Lynch, and I didn't see the live discussion. This was Shannon Sharp and Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. Talking about Russell Wilson. I need to go watch it because I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. So it's, it's okay, like, you're like, yeah. <laughs> it's, like an, it's like an hour and a half, maybe even longer than that podcast on Shay Shay, the podcast. Uh, they just have a sit down and kind of go through Marshawn Lynch and who he is, the character that is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, and what he kind of represents and how people throughout his life have tried to kind of filter him and change him to something that he's not. So, of course, the Marshawn Lynch story, one of the biggest things in his history was the time in Seattle and the time he became beast mode and, and all of that. Of course, the Super Bowl loss, the play call, uh, not handing him the ball on the, on the goal line and winning the Super Bowl, instead throwing an interception. Of course, that came up. So in talking about that, he kind of branches off to his relationship with Russell Wilson. And what that was like, because outside looking in, if you're a spectator of football, these two are polar opposites from a personality standpoint. Yes. Russell, Marsh, Ru- good. Russell, Russell Wilson is squared away, buttoned up, the Carlton Banks, let's say, of football, while Marshawn Litz is the carefree wild child, child that is incapable of being tamed. So the question, I guess, was how that worked, how that worked in a locker room. Can I read you the quote? Read it. Marshawn Lynch. I wouldn't be the right person to speak on... Uh, their relationship. He's talking about Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson because I didn't F with them. I didn't F with Pete, and Russ was just like a quarterback for me. What? Okay. <laughs> like that, that was your relationship with your quarterback? You guys won championships together. What do you mean? Like, I've been on teams. and I, that, To me, I, it's hard to believe that that was the case. Then when I think about it, I'm like, Maybe it was. I, I, well, I don't see actually, them hanging out outside of the locker room. I don't see them like having dinner together because they're just so different. He said something positive. He goes, I respect Russell as a player and a teammate. Anything I say because of the situation, throwing a pick on the goal line, not giving me the ball, uh, him leaving from Seattle, anything I say is going to come off as malice or as if I'm a hater. I'll take Russ and I'll put him right there at quarterback and I'll rock with him because I've done that. As far as anything else... Uh, can't pick up the phone and call old boy or nothing. I don't got a number. I love the way you read it. <laughs> you don't think it sounded like that when he said it? <laughs> oh, I know it didn't sound like that, but it, it's great. I, because, but that's the gist of it. That's what it's supposed to be. Like he's like, 
I don't really mess with old boy like that. That's more like <laughs> yeah. what it's sounded I think he was like smoking while he was saying this too. Damon, do you agree my read was not correct? Oh, uh, no, Steve, not at all. But, I mean, you're really trying. <laughs> well, he, he got it right. He was going so hard. It's like the pronunciation. It was like Ebonics well, on 10 reading that sentence. But, I, uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's I, <laughs> I also I backed up from the screen because there's like four words misspelled in the New York Post. Like, did anyone? Like, Maybe what? they were just doing it, you know, phonetically or whatever. Or they were just exactly the way he they, said it. It was, it was talk to text. That's yes. how they wrote the story. Right. But the, the, the funny thing about it is. Can you, I, uh, can you uh, address the last one? Because this is where, again, you see this whole um, podcast. You pull some stuff out. He says after the Super Bowl, he asked a player personnel staffer for Wilson's number after the game. Wilson called him after the game from a block number. Lynch didn't pick up the call at first for that reason. Quote, I don't know why or I don't know how or why, but I just know I got a call from a block number. Lynch told Wilson he wanted to be there for him after a rough day the same way he would hope that Wilson would be there for him. Uh, His response, well, he said he, he believed it was the first time he tried to have a meaningful conversation with Russell Wilson. His response to me was kind of like, the blank? So I told him again, nah, bro, I'm here for you, and we're going to rock. And his response was the same. Wait, did he say the blank, or he said, yeah, I want to rock with you? Like, I don't know what's going on! <laughs> he's, so he's basically like, Russell Wilson kind of blew it off. Like, yes. what do you mean? Like, So I, from what Marshawn Lynch said... He doesn't have a good relationship with Russell Wilson. It was amicable. They got they, they got along in between the lines, but nothing outside of that. But he said he'd rock with. with him. That's a good relationship. It, no? I, no, on the Steve. football field. It's, it's like, I'll do what I got to do because I understand he's a quarterback. I got it. I know how to do that. I know how to play that role. The funny thing about this is when they go to Russell Wilson and how he feels about Marshawn Lynch. And it's like, uh-oh, here we go. The beef. It started. We got some tension, right? Russell Wilson's going to bash him. He's going to go back and forth with him. Russell Wilson does what Russell Wilson does. Oh, Marshawn's great. He's one of my guys. You know, he, he's one of the best players I've ever played with. Obviously, the, a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest ever, of all time. I really love that guy. He's, he's one of the guys that took me in when I first came. He just goes on a rant of, like, positive things about Marshawn Lynch, and it's like, what? Like, which one is you full of it? And I, I, I'm going to say, from my perspective, Marshawn Lynch has never cared what we think. He's not the one to sugarcoat or butter anything up for our ears. He's gonna, he just doesn't want to get fined, right? That's what Marshawn Lynch is famous for. So of the guys who I think is a BS artist, I'd say Russell Wilson. He, he probably is the BS artist here. I would just say that, yes, he's BS, but when it comes to that particular game, he said it was up until a game where they were game planning. Russell Wilson, you're going to kill it this week. You're going to crush it. And he didn't crush it. So that's why Marshawn tried to call him and say, hey, man, even though you didn't crush it and we still got the win, I got your back just in case those moments. Because Marshawn, and basically paraphrasing, he picked up the slack. Game plan was Russ is going to throw for about 300 yards. He's going to have a good game. But Marshawn, you know, had over 100 yards rushing, and he had the good game. He said, hey, man, I got your back. And it seems like Russell Wilson, where if you watch it, where Marshawn's reaction, Russell Wilson was just like, what are you talking about? I had a bad game. That's more of how he blew him off of. What do you like? No. What do you mean? I didn't have a bad game. But even though the game plan all leading up until the entire week was, hey, you're supposed to be crushing it over 300 yards this week, and that's not the performance that he had. I, wow. So I, Russell Wilson, more layers of the onion, unpeeled. Marshawn Lynch giving us the skinny. I like it. But – 
it kind of fits with who Russell Wilson has been. Is he a fraud? Yeah. People well, have people other current teammates of Russell Wilson have accused him of this. I know. They've accused him of fraudulent behavior. From high knees on the plane, I I mean I I don't know. Who's the real Russell Wilson? He really knows how to be a company man. I, I will say that about Russell Wilson. You can't find fault in it. It's not like it's negative. I guess. But my, is it the real him? My biggest problem with the story, like you guys just laid that out, and it's like, I, I hate this phrase, but like it is what it is. There are two different people, and Wilson is very concerned about way, the way he comes off, and Marshawn does not care. The headline on the story says, Marshawn Lynch reveals bizarre Russell Wilson behavior that strained the Seahawks relationship. I, what you just described to both of you doesn't sound like that at all. It goes deeper into the – like I said, it's an hour and a half, okay. and it's not intended to just be the Russell Wilson hour. All right. But Shay Shay does a good job of like, – he digs into that portion of it because it's a big question mark around that play and around how the Legion of Boom kind of dissolved. And essentially, without directly saying it, because I think Marshawn Lynch, for all of his hot takes and all of the nonsense, I guess, that he portrays, He's actually pretty smart and savvy with this stuff. He kind of circles around to the fact that Russell was one of the problems. And if you look at it, Russell's the only one that lasted. He's the only one that stayed. Everybody else kind of got pushed away or moved away because it became Russell Wilson's thing. And that's kind of what Marshawn Lynch alluded to. Without being, you know, he's, he's from the streets. He's not no punk. Oakland, that's not how they do it. They don't snitch. Ain't no snitching with Marshawn Lynch. So he kind of roundabout in a cool way said, yeah, it was Russ. <laughs> he was the problem in Seattle. But, I, I mean, maybe that's us or me reading into it, which I don't want to be the one to, de- to define their relationship. But that's what he said. And that's, I guess, what most people that listened to it took from it is that Russell Wilson was the problem. And, it, again, if you look at his current team, his current situation, last season there was a lot of people that kind of said the same thing, like, Russell Wilson's not the company man that he projects all the time. There's some, there's some stuff behind the scenes, maybe, that people in the locker room don't really agree with all the time. Can I give you guys a theory on why Russell Wilson acts the way he does? Why is that? And this isn't my theory. This is his former teammate in college, Nate Tice, who now works for The Athletic. He says from being around Russell Wilson in college at Wisconsin, every move that Russell Wilson makes is someone who plans to run for the president of the United States one day. And that's why, you know, all the weirdness of, hey, nothing but love for Marshawn. You know, it's almost like a politician. Well, he just said you suck and you're, you're bad on tax policy. I've got nothing but love with him. He's doing a good job at his state. You know, that it all politics. makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's politics in a nutshell, right? That's Russell Wilson's long plan here. Hall of Fame, sidebar. I want to be the president one day. <laughs> so if I'm a Broncos fan and I keep hearing this stuff, from when before he came to Denver, and while he's been in Denver, that teammates don't love him. They don't necessarily trust him. Then you've added to the mix an incredibly arrogant guy in Sean Payton as the coach who basically has built his rep off of getting the opportunity to work with a top 10 quarterback of all time. Where's the hope? And, and it brings us to the weird situation I don't know that many people care about it I think on the Jets side they're going to use it as fuel you remember when Sean Payton is like puffing out his chest and basically saying Nate Hackett the OC now for the Jets is a freaking clown 
And the Jets side's like, we can't wait until the matchup. Now the Jets yeah. have been completely depleted, not completely. They've been depleted heavily at quarterback. Yeah. So they're a mess. What's going to happen in this game? I think it's going to be personal. In the words of Deion Sanders, it's personal. I think it was going to be, especially if Aaron Rodgers and his you know, bravado and personality was playing, it was going to be personal. But I think the Jets players as a whole sort of rallied around what was said in the preseason. And that goes even to the bucket hats and sunglasses. A lot of players around the league took it personal when Sean Payton. What was that again? When Sean Payton basically said he's going to take the preseason serious if you're a starter and you're done playing, you're not going to be on the sideline with bucket hats and sunglasses. We're not doing that. Or Gilligan hats is what he called it uh, on the sideline um, because we're taking football serious around here. And he basically kind of was throwing shade at all the players who were doing that. So I believe it was Sauce who came out the next preseason game and was getting interviewed on the sideline with a Gilligan hat and sunglasses on. And again, they were tuned in to what he was saying because he dissed their offensive coordinator. He dissed their guy now. And it's like, it, they took it personal. From Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, that's my, that's my, you keep my offensive coordinator's name out your mouth. Like, it was definitely personal. Now, this week in the media, they've downplayed it. And they've come out and said, you know, Hackett has been like, yeah, you know, I didn't talk to him. It's okay. It is what it is. Da, 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 da. But especially with the fact that the Broncos are off to a terrible start this year, after what he said about being the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL to Nathaniel Hackett, your second act for the Broncos ain't been peachy. Like, this could equally be just as bad if you're Sean Payton. 364 364-1100. Let's do a giveaway right now. We've got the big tournament coming to town. Shriners at TPC. Got PGA Tour Golf at its finest right here. In Las Vegas, uh, in this event, they can earn FedEx Cup points, so it's a big deal. Shriners Children's Open Charitable Tournament. Uh, you can go to LV Sports Network and also register for next-level tickets, VIP tickets, and free beverages. But DeMond's got four tickets right now. Caller 7, 364-1100 for the Shriners Open. And you can also get the tickets if you do not win them here at ShrinersChildrensOpen.com or check out SeatGeek. For what he said and apologizing. Uh, the advice I would give to him and any other, you know, any other teammate: you never pick a battle with the fans. You're never going to win that one. Um, uh, they've been here before, so they're going to be after us, and that's that's the that's just the truth. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Well, I hope Evan Neal. Lineman for the Giants kind of learned his lesson. He got mad last week that he was getting booed at, waving on the booze with the uh, Giants fans in attendance, then said afterwards, who are they? What do they do? Who are they to judge me? What are they, flipping hot dogs and burgers? And then a local radio guy flipped out and screamed about it, and then that was Saquon Barkley saying, don't pick fights with the fans. And he's, he is accurate. You know, your career is finite. The fans will be there forever, most of them. So no, you're not gonna. It's not a fight you're gonna win. And I'll. I'm not trying to insult because I say this about media too. Players should never punch down. No. And it, it's. I think the realization that the fans drive the league. No matter what you say, no matter what their opinions of you are, the fact that they care enough to give an opinion is what makes your job possible. I think anybody in the entertainment industry, sports is entertainment. You are in the entertainment business. You don't make millions of dollars because football. 
You make millions of dollars because people care about football. Like, it's not necessary. At the end of the day, if people really just said, you know what, I'm going to make responsible decisions with my finances and not spend half my mortgage on these, on these tickets every Sunday, then you would not make millions of dollars in your profession. All right? I think so appreciating the, the reality of your position is, is there's some humility required when you get to the top. Don't punch down. It's unbecoming. Uh, I think appreciate the fans and their perspective. Yes, they may be wrong. Yes, they may be ill-informed. They may not be equipped to assess offensive line play, but they're fans, and their job is to root, cheer, boo, accost at times, but to support the game of football. And without them, it's not possible. Young guys got to learn that, and some pros still need to learn that, but the fans make the game. Yeah. And it's especially important in the New Jersey, New York area. It's just at Philly. Boston. It's not It's not a fight worth even beginning. So we're going to roll through a bunch of picks here for the NFL. Talk about games of the week. I got one issue that I wanted to mention, and Damon and I were talking about this uh, about this off the air. Damon, remember the conversation about uh, AOC, Aiden O'Connell, and dropping the ball, and Herbert doing a throwing motion, hitting Divine Diablo in the helmet and not losing the ball. Yep. And we were talking about hand size, and I think more importantly in this case, hand strength. Mm -hmm. When you play quarterback, do they have workouts where, I mean, like the old school would be like that stupid squeezy thing where, you know, that's all the hand strength, right? And if you're weak, you can't even, you can, and you can tighten the tension. So you can make it so that someone could never squeeze it. Yeah. Do you, do you have a workout where you're freaking like, you do, you do grip. Strength okay. stuff. It's like when I did it, it was like the dumbbell rolls. Like you, you kind of just hold the dumbbell and roll it in your hands. Yeah. Um, there's towel exercises where you just rotate a weighted towel around to strengthen like your wrist and your grip strength. So you do work on it. Okay. But the thing is, like hand size, people don't know this. Just an inside. Hand size is not just the, the mass of your hand. Like Kawhi Leonard has massive hands because right. his fingers are long and whatever. What they measure with quarterbacks is the distance from the tip of your index finger to the tip of your thumb oh, I thought when it was, it's stressed out. I thought it was pinky to thumb. No, it's it's literally a measure of the flexibility of this. I, I don't know Are what the sure? hinge is. Yeah, I, 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 this is what they measured when I went when through the combine. The combine? Yeah, so what did you measure? They, they lay your hand on the I, – I actually have comparatively small hands from that measurement. Yeah, so my hands are huge. I if, my hands are not small. Yeah, by like any your means. fingers are pretty long. But the stretch that I get from my thumb to my index finger when I open my hand all the way, it's like this joint isn't as flexible. Yeah. They measure that for quarterbacks. That's what's important. So I never knew that. I was always measuring it pinky to thumb and yeah. testing the, the flexibility. So when you I, look can, at, I can go basically straight across. Right. So I was doing it again the other day on a table. And, like, Adam Hill is 6'3", I'm 5'9". And yours are probably more flexible. Mine right? are more flexible yeah. and not as beefy. But I have a fat palm, too. Like, I have a good wide palm. Right. So I'm always like, oh, yeah, I got good miss. So for football, I mismatch it. For, fo- <laughs> for football. Come on, guys. It's that, important that hurts when it happens, right? When you grip the football, that's what's gripping it. Like, your pinky is not really that important sure, I, yeah, to yeah, gripping yeah. the football. So, like, you need to have a good circumference of the ball grasped ah. in there. So it's like... That's what they made. They literally put your hand on a table and tell you to flatten wow. it as flat as you can, and they measure that distance. What'd you measure at? I think it was like you always know. Like Come on, eight point nine inches. What? 
That's not right. You're not matched. That's I don't remember. I don't remember. It was the way that it was like a herded cow going through the combine. I'm not kidding. Like there's like a line of us in the hallway. Like one at a time, we just go in there. Like just do what you're told and just like go through these measures. I'm like, why are you measuring that? And they like and they like announce it to everybody. And it's like, okay, why was that important? And then you find out later that that's a measurement. I guess that goes to grip strength and if you're going to fumble or how well you can throw the ball. So Justin Herbert has was measured at 10 inches. AOC is actually nine and three quarters. But in terms wow. of hand strength on those individual plays, right, Damon? AOC looked like Derek Carr. <laughs> yes, he looked like what people thought Kenny, Pick- Kenny Pickett was going to be in the NFL. Yeah, I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett isn't bad. Whopper Juniors. Yes, yeah. exactly. All the commercials, all the bits of he has small <laughs> hands. With AOC, some of those fumbles were just, you're not holding on to the ball. Where if the left tackle just gets bull rushed into you, and he bumps into you and you drop the ball, yeah, okay, the left tackle got beat. But why are you just dropping the ball just off that slightest contact? But Justin Herbert, on the other hand, can have the defense, have a linebacker from the Raiders basically swipe at the ball, hit the ball, make contact, and he still keeps on going. You notice that, right? Herbert had a throwing motion, hit. He didn't, like, rock it, but hit Diablo on the head. Then was like, no, I don't want to throw it. Pulled it back. Diablo spun around. He's like, okay, Body he threw the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was and like, what kind of hand strength does Herbert have? It's kind of scary. Like, I, I've, I've been in that situation where at least you kind of fumble it down. Like, it's like, oh, I lost it, but I still kind of got it. Herbert, it was just like Spider-Man. It was like, nope, it didn't throw. Pump fake. Like, that's so hard to do. And I don't know if it was luck or what, but obviously the hand size comes in handy there. Like, gripping the ball. Maybe he does the, the old school squeezy thing. I don't know. What is it called? I don't know. I think they have something more advanced beyond the squeezy thing. Probably now, I would assume. There's some advanced stuff. At least a better name for it. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> just like roll dough in the kitchen. That's how our moms got strong hands. Like just cooking. Like just That's roll some point. dough out, get in the kitchen, get your hands like aggressive, knead the bread. Like that's an old school method. Just dig your hand in a, a bucket of rice. I did that before. Is that right? Like you just put your hand in a bucket of rice and squeeze and twist inside the bucket of rice. And the pressure from the rice is like from all angles. It strengthens your hand. There's ways you can do it. I do that like in a bucket of cooked baked ziti. Not actually baked because my hand would burn off. But the, the, the ziti, all soft and like, okay, all right. <laughs> but I know I'm going to eat it. So it's eat good. between reps. Like just, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, goes, it goes away. Um, all right, matchup of the week. For most fans is the Cowboys and the Niners. Yeah. This, on the surface, seems like the Niners should roll. What do you see in the Cowboys that's going to make this a competitive game uh, where they can pull the upset? I think they're one of the few defenses that can pressure the quarterback without blitzing. I think Brock Purdy has been relatively comfortable throwing the ball. And he's been efficient while being comfortable. But... How will he be under pressure or under duress? That's yet to be determined. And the Cowboys have the potential to do it. And they can do it without giving up the checkdowns and the short underneath stuff because I don't think they need to pressure. Again, like I said, the second level, the linebackers won't blitz. So they're going to be attached to Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuels on those short little intermediate routes that get a lot of yak yards and and pad uh, uh, pretty stats at the end of the day. So I think the Cowboys... Have present a different problem than the teams that the Niners have faced so far. Uh, it will be interesting. I think this is an important NFC matchup. I know they're not in the same division, but a, divi- a conference matchup in the NFC, how things shake out when the playoff picture finally forms, who gets home field advantage, et cetera, et cetera. That may be very important coming down the stretch. 
the Cowboys mentally have been eliminated by the Niners uh, and in a, in a pretty humiliating fashion with some expectations to go farther. And Brock Purdy kind of handled business against them last year. So maybe just for mentality of knowing we can beat these guys, it's important to know you can come out of the division or at least that you can compete with the guys that are projected to be at the top of the division when all is said and done. All right, three-and-a-half-point spread. Niners at home, what are you going to do? I'm going Niners. I'm on the Niners' back. I think they're the best team in the NFC. I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to win the conference. I think they're going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. That's my prediction right now, if all goes well and they maintain their health. I, I think they're the most complete football team that there is right now. Uh, the Cowboys still have some question marks, and most of their question marks are who they really want to be. I don't think Pollard is the running back to support what Dak Prescott needs to be as a passer. I think they're going to have to rely on Dak more than they should. And it's very crazy how similar these teams are because there's not much of a difference between Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott from a quarterbacking standpoint, what they're capable of, what they can do, because Dak Prescott refuses for some reason to run the ball. I think that's one of the stronger points of his game that he doesn't do anymore. But I digress. The Cowboys don't have the run game. They don't have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield to hand it off to 20-plus times a game to kind of, I don't want to say hide, but minimize the role of Brock Purdy. You don't have to win the game through Brock Purdy's arm. The Cowboys on the other side don't have that run game. So you rely on Dak Prescott to win the game, to get the ball in the end zone in the red zone where he threw a pick that got them their first loss of the season. So that is the difference right now between the two teams. Dak Prescott's capable. But are they asking too much of him? Are they relying on him to win? Whereas the 49ers are not relying on Brock Purdy to win. He just has to do the job. He doesn't have to be special. Just do what you're asked to do, and the Niners will win the game. Come on. Oh, the Cowboys are definitely going to cover. I think it's going to be a close game. Lose by a field goal, even if they do lose. Yeah. Right. Caleb gave good football points, but I'm taking the spread. I'm just talking, you know, they're going to cover. <laughs> I'm taking the Cowboys. I... I like the Niners a lot. I think they're very good. But let's be realistic with their schedule. Like everyone's super impressed. It's been the Steelers, the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals. Uh, the other big factor to tie everything together, uh, Dak Prescott has some of the biggest hands in the history of the NFL at uh, nearly 10.9 inches, and Brock Purdy's at 9 and 3 eighths. So. That's it. I actually, when I put that through my Commodore 64 at home, uh, that actually makes the Cowboys a minus four favorite. So. So they're off by seven points with the hand size of the quarterbacks. Makes sense, right? Uh, actually, I'm going to – John uh, Von Tobel has John Von Model. Yeah. Uh, my thing is just going to be quarterback hand size the rest of the season. You're going to determine so actually the, the Niners based on the hand size of the quarterback. The Niners, they're – I'll have to – got to do more research, but there is a good chance the Niners finish the year at 8-9. and nine. His hands are small. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It's absurd, I know. I love it, though. It's no, but I really, I really am picking the Cowboys because I think while the Niners are really good, they've been playing pretty consistently, and their defense has been good, not great, in terms of giving up points. Uh, the teams they played are kind of lousy. What? We just talked about the Cardinals. There's a surprise. They're good. Well, they're, they're not good. The Steelers are a good team. The, they're, they're like, hey, the Cardinals are 3-1 and one ATS. Yeah, because they were expected to go 1-16. That doesn't mean I mean, they're good. That's true. They, they, I mean, that's exceeded very true. expectations. I, I, I don't know. I, I like the Niners. I like the way they play. I, I like that they play within themselves. They're never doing anything extraordinary to win. It's just handling business as usual. I, I like that. I like that about football. I like when it's clean. I like when you don't need to be special. You just need to follow Ooh. the plan. All right. We got a couple minutes left. Uh, we will go through the rest of the games. Caleb has a massive upset on the way. 
Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, we got new crew members in and out all the time now in Cofield and Company. And you know this is a big football pick show. We don't take that seriously, but we do picks, right? So, Damon is up to speed now. He's, uh, he's ready to go because I think one of the weeks it was just you and I, and you were like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. Like, okay. Now he's, he's into it. And you can also say, you know what, I don't like the game. I don't like it. You ready? Damon is, trust me. Oh, I'm ready. I he's thought you were talking to breath. Uh, right from the top of the card, we just picked the Cowboys and the Niners. And you guys took the Niners and I took the Cowboys? Is that right? I no, forgot. I took the Cowboys as well. Oh, so double yeah, Cowboys, Cowboys and one Niners. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm on the Niners train. Um, Bills five and a half. And by the way, we're going by the spread. Bills five and a half against the Jags. Come on. This is going to be the game of the week for me. I think it's going to be very exciting, but I am taking the Bills. I'm taking the Jags. That's not mine. I think there's an emotional uh, letdown for the Bills a little bit. And the, I, the Jags have not played to where the Jags should be playing. Uh, Falcons, two against the Texans. Hello. All right. Come on. Texans, C.J. Stroud, he's got the mojo. He's got the hot hand. I'm going to go with the Texans as well. C.J. Stroud has the hot hand, and I don't think Ritter has it. I think the confidence yeah. is diminishing for Ritter in Atlanta. And I don't know. They may be wasting B. John Robinson's time. Um, yeah, I'm wasting time by thinking about it. But I'm going to go with the Falcons. But I, I, I'm not comfortable with this game at all. Lions nine and a half against the Panthers. Damon? I'm going to go with the Panthers. I want to stay away from it, but I don't think they beat them by 10. Yeah, that's a big one for any NFL game. You get close to double digits. I'm scared about it, so I'm going to take the Panthers surprisingly. If I was just going win or loss, obviously the Lions should beat them, but for some reason that nine and a half is just a scary number. I'll go Lions. Uh, next up, Titans two and a half on the road at the Colts. Come on, Steve. You don't have to ask me. Titans all day. Tighten up. <laughs> Derrick Henry. King Henry. He's back. I'm going with the Colts. <laughs> this is a curious line to me. Very curious. Uh, so I'll go Titans minus two and a half. It's a terrible number because they were a plus at the beginning of the week. Uh, Dolphins up to 12 and a half against the Giants. Come on. <laughs> That's a high number, but Danny Dimes, not impressed. The Dolphins, they got something to prove after that loss last week. Miami. Dable threw the tablet last week, so I, it might be lights out for the Giants. I'm going I'm going to go ahead and take that with the Dolphins. Danny Dimes is actually a good road dog when it's not in primetime. So I'll take the 12.5 points, and hopefully the Giants have something left in the tank. Patriots and Saints, what a freaking mess this is. Uh, New England won at home against the Saints. Come on. New England, somebody's got to win. The Saints. I think the Saints are, are going to win the division, the NFC South. I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to figure it out. I'm taking the Saints. I don't think the Saints are good at quarterback right now with uh, without Carr healthy. And I, I believe this week is there's been a lot of chatter around the Patriots, a lot of chatter. It's messy, right? They don't want anyone to know that, so I think they'll be motivated. Uh, minus one in that one. Ravens four and a half at the Steelers. Come on taking the Ravens. I don't know how the Steelers were able to beat the Raiders, but Baltimore is going to handle this easily, if you ask me. There's some chirping already between the Ravens and Steelers. It's always a big matchup. I think the Ravens are more equipped to come out on top. 
there's there's some dog in the Ravens right now. A low scoring game. I think it's like 24 of the 30 matchups between these two teams, two organizations. It's been inside of a touchdown. So I'll take the dog. I'll take the Steelers plus four and a half. Bengals, Cardinals. We uh, talked about that earlier. Eagles, Rams. Come on, Rams plus four. Eagles. I know they haven't put together a complete game all season, but maybe this is the game. Maybe it isn't. But I don't believe in the Rams at all. I do believe in the Rams. Healthy Stafford, he's found another number one receiver. Cup's out, but he's got a guy. Cup might be back, too. Cup might be back. The Eagles, I think, they haven't figured themselves out yet after Shane Steichen. So I think my dad would be proud of this pick. I'm taking the Rams. I'm going to lay four. I hate that, but I'm going to lay four. I think the Eagles are just about to freaking start exploding on people. Broncos two and a half against the Jets. Come on. Steve, I don't know about you, but I believe in Zach Wilson. I saw enough taking the Jets. I'm taking Zach and the Jets as well. Let's go, Steve. I think Zach, Zach Wilson was humbled. He finally took it serious for the first time because that loss was his fault. He's going to be a new man, changed quarterback. I'm saying Jets are going to win. Jets are going to make the playoffs this year. Oh, boy. Um, I don't bet on the Jets, so by default, I take the Broncos. <laughs> I just don't. Why? Why would I? It's like I'm put yourself through doubly it. torture myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose, be really unhappy, and lose money on it. A great idea. Chiefs three and a half at the Vikings. Demond. Vikings. I think this is going to be a close game. I mean, they're at home. They've got to get it together eventually. Maybe you know Travis Kelsey. You know, having a little too much fun celebrating his birthday with those uh, cigars that you know people usually just don't smoke straight up. So maybe who knows. I'm taking the Vikings as well. This is my upset pick for the year, or for the game, I guess, for this week. I think the Vikings are the best team with the worst record, if that makes sense. They have a terrible record, but I think they actually do play good football. I think they upset the Chiefs, and I think I think they get the ball rolling here in the NFC North. I don't think Mahomes is healthy, so I think he's still nursing some sort of injury. He looked a little weird last week throwing the Didn't ball. Didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. So I'll take the Vikings. So, but that'll work out, huh? All three of us took the Vikings against the Chiefs. <laughs> Yikes! No way we lose nice. that one. <laughs> well, thanks to the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar for hosting the show. Thanks for those chicken fingers. Those were uh, pretty freaking good. If you want to go check out the uh, picture of the chicken fingers, they are up. And and we had a listener ask for them, so that's why we posted them up there. But uh, the Southpaw chicken tenders, pretty good, pretty good. Um, I have a question. So, we just talked about the hand size stuff. When you looked at the picture, did my hand make the chicken finger look small or big? Or about right? You're flirting with dangerous territory here, Steve. I, I, I think you made the chicken finger look small. I think your I hand, know. you have a future as a hand model. I think you could do uh, it. I look, my cuticle's a mess on my thumb. I got to get that fixed. Get a manied. It'll be all right. But I think you can, like, you can hold the phone in, like, iPhone commercials. No, I can't. And I think, not if, not I think if, you'd not tell. If, not if, if they want what Bateman's putting out there. <laughs> Come on, have you noticed that? There's an Apple commercial with Jason Bateman, and they they ISO a shot with his his hand on the phone, and yeah. his hand is, like, it's it's massive, and it's weird looking. Like, I don't like the way his nails are cut. I look at stuff like this. Yeah. Steve, I, I have not noticed it. I'm Googling Jason Bateman's hand furiously right now. 
He's he's a fan, a hand enthusiast, if you will. He he really got into critiquing these hands. I, I think Jason well, it was Bateman shocking. Was, it was, like, it was pops up. I'm like, what is? And it was like Shaq hand on the phone. Yeah, I, th- like, I, I think, don't want. I don't want that phone. It looks tiny. They might have given him an iPhone Mini. Like I, I don't know yeah. what the deal. was. His hands looked massive, and it was like, what's going on with his hand? But you pointed it out quickly. I think you should put in for his replacement. We're gonna now post a series of photos nah. with you posing with an iPhone in your I, hand. Uh, I would have to get a manicure. Um, Damon, I feel like, again, going back to the gym world where you couldn't get me some illegal Ozempic, um, there must be like a, is there a recommended manicurist? Because I feel like, I feel like uh, muscle guys and women like, like that, like they like their nails to look good. You do. So I, I had a phase, and Damon probably knows, he's jacked, but I had a phase where I, I, I lifted weights a lot. Yeah. Having your nails trimmed, especially if you're doing like Olympic lifts, like power clean yeah. and stuff like that, you have to got, have them trimmed up right. Come on! Oh yeah, I used to be in a manicure phase where it was like, oh man, I need to get, I need to get one, getting a pedicure and things as well. Not so much now. It's you know, it's one of those got to manage the budget a little bit better. But about two, three years ago, yeah, man, I do feel like we came out of COVID and got a little pricier on petties and manis. What's going on? Everything went up. Get real, people. So that's sad to hear, Devon. Not eating wings anymore. Not getting many patties anymore, man. Yeah, you didn't get any of these chicken fingers. What a bummer. What a bummer. Caleb, great job. And especially with the prep. You know I always appreciate prep. Damon always does good prep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the setup. And, again, thanks to Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Check out social media all weekend long because we've got a lot of videos and conversations we're going to put up on all of our accounts, including YouTube.